Amen. What a wonderful song. What a great story in the Bible. Do you believe that? You believe Jesus brought Lazarus from the grave? You know, it's sometimes easier to believe what God has done for somebody else, but sometimes difficult to believe that God would do that for us. You're God's child. Uh, God wants his will done in your life. Open your Bibles again to 2 Timothy chapter 3. I want you to hold your Bible in your hand. I want you to get a hold of it. You hold in your hand the most precious book in all of the world. The cost of that book, the cost of that book was paid for with the blood of martyrs. Do you know England burned Tyndale at the stake? They burned him at the stake for translating the Bible into English. As he burned in the flames, he cried, O Lord, open the eyes of the King of England. Seventy-five years later, in 1611, God answered that prayer as we received this book, the 1611 King James Bible. And the Bible says, in verse number 16, all scripture is given by inspiration of God. This book in many ways is very simple. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. And yet it is complex in that some of its prophecies are 3,000 years old. Many of the prophecies have already been fulfilled. Some are being fulfilled now in the day in which we live. The book is personal. The book is powerful. The book is a book of comfort, and yet it is a book of warnings. And I preached this morning on the subject, God's Word, the final authority. Heavenly Father, I pray that you'd bless the preaching of your Word this morning as we not just preach from it, but preach about it. This book is so precious. Lord, I don't ever sit or lay anything on top of my Bible. Though it is just paper and ink and leather, it is the most precious book in all of the world. Not just because, Lord, of its cost, but of its message that you love us. I ask you to fill me with your spirit as I exalt the only thing that's ever been exalted above your name, and that is your word. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. The Bible is referred to as a final authority because it is this book that man will be judged by in the final day of judgment. It will not be any law written or amended by a parliamentary court or by Congress, it will be this book that we hold in our hands. The reason the Word of God has been attacked for so long and by so many is that it is the final Word of God. It is the authority by which man will be judged. It is the plumb line. It is the schoolmaster. It is the truth, it is the life, it is the way. While Satan could not for many years destroy it physically, he then went into the business of giving counterfeits in place 
of the Word of God. Some may think every book they pick up that says Bible on it is the same. But if you took the time to read its pages and study its content, you'll find that the devil has brought about many imposters over the years. I believe this morning as I hold this King James Bible that I'm holding the very Word of God in my hands. I believe that because God promised to preserve His inspired Word to every generation. It's not how I feel. It's not what I've been taught to think. It's what God said in His Word about His Word. Everything we believe either stands or falls on the accuracy of the Word of God. Therefore, it is imperative that we know why we believe and what we believe about the Bible. The Word of God is unique. The word unique means there is none other like it. It is one of a kind. It is not just better. It's the only book of its kind. It is the Word of God. It is not just about God. It is from God to man. The Bible was given over a period of 1,500 years penned by 40 different writers. Among them were kings, military leaders, peasants, uh, philosophers, fishermen, farmers, tax collectors, uh, poets, statesmen, musicians, scholars, and shepherds. They simply served as the pen as God would move in power of the Holy Spirit for them to write what God had said. The Bible was penned in different places and times by people experiencing different paradigms of life. And the Bible was penned on three different continents. The Bible was penned in different languages, Hebrew, Greek, Aramaic. The Bible was penned in different literary styles, some in prose, some in poetry, uh, some historical, some law, some biography, some parable, uh, some allegory, some prophecy, all of it the Word of God. The Bible speaks of many difficult issues without a single contradiction. The Bible is a book of diversity and yet it unfolds a single continuous story without contradiction from the beginning of Genesis chapter, 20, uh, chapter 1 all the way through the book of Revelation and the very last word of the Bible. The Bible's main character is God himself. God was made known in many ways as we read in Hebrews chapter 1 what was made known manifestly by his own son, Jesus Christ. The Bible was given from God through the process called inspiration. That's what the Bible says about itself. Inspiration is an interesting word. If you divide it into three parts, it is fairly easy to define. I-N being the first part, S-P-I-R being the second part, A-T-I-O-N being the third part. If you look at that, it means uh, the work of putting the Spirit in. It is the act of the Spirit coming in. The opposite of inspiration would be expiration, uh, which means Spirit out. Expire is Spirit out. Inspire is spirit in. If I say of someone they expired last night, 
you would understand that to mean they died. But the Spirit of God is never expired from the Word of God. It is today still the inspired Spirit in, life in, Word of God. The Bible says when God breathed into Adam the breath of life, he became a living soul. As God gave his breath and the Spirit of God moved among men to write the words of God, it became the living Word of God. I hold in my hand not just a book, I hold in my hand life. I hold my, in my hand not just truth, I hold in my hand eternal life. As you would hold a seed, a grain of corn or beans or whatever it may be in your hand, it has in it life. Uh, you place it into the ground and it is going to sprout and bring forth life. You take that book and you put it into the heart of man. Oh, dear friend, it brings forth life. The Bible said, I was born again by the word of God. I was born of my parents in 1964. I was born again by the Spirit of God and the Word of God in 1970. The book is not just a book, it is life. Now the Bible says in John chapter 1, in the beginning was the Word. Now when's the beginning? That's Genesis chapter 1. So in the beginning was the Word. That explains why God said, let us make man in our own image, Father, Son, and Spirit. When you come to John chapter 1, the Bible says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Then it says, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. This Word, eternal, became flesh, became Jesus, and dwelt among us. This is equal this morning to having the very person of Christ. This word became flesh. That's why when Thomas said, Lord, we know not the way. We don't know where you're going. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh to the Father but by me. Now, the book that we hold, this Bible, is a book of perfection. No book has been challenged like this book. No person has been challenged like Jesus. The scribes and the lawyers of his day, knowing the law, understand in those days, they didn't have a copy machine, a Xerox machine, where they placed a piece of paper and it took a picture and produced a copy of what it took a picture of. In those days, a scribe would write out the word of God. So they didn't know about it. They knew it. They knew every jot, every tittle, or uh, every I, or crossing every T. They knew everything about it. And those scribes and the lawyers, they followed Jesus uh, to find fault in him. Uh, Pilate said it best as Jesus stood before him and he said, I find no fault in him. And I'm glad this morning I serve a Savior who is the sinless Son of God. And I hold in my hand equally the perfect Word of God. It passes the historical challenge. Some have laughed and mocked at Bible believers saying, the Bible refers to places and people and events that are not recorded in history. But you must understand, we don't judge the Bible by historians. We judge historians by the Bible. 
and archaeologists have discovered that the Word of God is exactly what it says it is. It is the perfect Word of God. It is true. No piece of evidence has ever surfaced to contradict the Bible in any point in history. Now and again, we'll see where they have discovered a Dead Sea Scroll or they've discovered something and they say, wow, this is amazing. Could it be that there was a worldwide flood? Could it be that there was a man named Noah? Could it be that, it, that there was a man named Joseph? Dear friend, if the Bible says it, it happened. It took place, and it took place just as the Word of God says. Some say the Ur of the Chaldees never existed. However, archaeologists have discovered that the Bible is true. The account of Joseph's rule in Egypt has been confirmed in many ways through archaeologists and tablets that have been found and discovered. The seal of Baruch. Baruch was Jeremiah's scribe. That seal has been found. They even found Jezebel's makeup saucers. Paint saucers. I'll continue. Brick in Egypt have been found that were made without straw. You see, the straw would be put in the mud and the, and the straw would hold the mud together It was as it was made and compressed and that straw held it together. Uh, Pharaoh made it more difficult for uh, those uh, slaves that would, become, that would become the children of Israel uh, by taking away their straw. Uh, they discovered that it really happened. I knew it happened without that discovery because I happened to believe what the Bible says. I believe uh, the Word of God. The death of Jesus has been proven to be a historical fact. Not only his death, but his burial and his resurrection. No other religious text has been put to the challenge that this old King James Bible has been put to. But after every test and every challenge, it comes out to be declared the Bible is the Word of God. It passes the scientific challenge. Many have mocked the Bible saying it was inaccurate in science. Yet time has once again vindicated the accuracy of the message of the Bible. Uh, for many years some uh, said that the earth was flat. Isaiah tells us in Isaiah 40 in verse number 22 that it's a sphere or that it is a circle. Men discovered that in the 15th century. Isaiah wrote about it in his day. It was in the word of God eternally settled in heaven forever. Be careful about crossing the word of God because the word of God will end up crossing you and the Bible is always true. The Bible says the earth is suspended in space. Job 26, verse number 7. Now many believe Sir Isaac Newton, who made that discovery in 1687. Others knew it was true just because the Bible said it. The Bible claims that the number of stars are innumerable. In Genesis chapter 15, it is said that in Abraham's day, they could see about 1,200 stars, and they could count all the stars that they could see. But as man's eye has been magnified by the telescope, they have now discovered there's more stars than can be numbered. But that's what God told us to begin with. Abraham uh, uh, could confirm 1,200. God could confirm uh, you can't 
count them. Uh, the Bible lists laws regarding medicine and sanitation thousands of years ahead of their time, uh, such as sanitizing and quarantine and all of that. Uh, Joseph Lister and Louis Pasteur worked together. In fact, those men were Christians, by the way, and they prayed and asked God to help them to know why uh, they would uh, perform a surgery, and the surgery would be successful, but the patient would die three days later. And that's what the medical journals would read. They would read, surgery successful, patient died three days later. They said, God, help us to understand uh, with the help of the microscope. They found what God said was true anyway, and they saw the germs, and they saw the need of cleanliness. And in those days, they would go from one patient to another doing surgery, not stopping to wash their hands or even change their clothes. But Louis Pasteur and Joseph Lister, uh, those men, uh, they recognized, uh, hey, we need, uh, we need sanitization. We, we need to be clean uh, between each patient. And the patients began to live. Uh, they thought George Washington had a disease. If they drained all of his blood out, that they could get rid of the disease. And they did. But they got rid of his life too because the Bible said the life is in the blood. You can't get rid of the blood and live. It passes also the prophecy challenge. Thousands of prophecies in the Bible. All of them are true. The book of Daniel is an amazing book just in itself as it talks about the empires that would come and the empires that would fall. All of those prophesied before they took place. By the way, the book of Daniel is not complete. It won't be long until that stone will come rolling out of the mountain. And dear friend, the kingdom of God is going to fill the earth and God will be recognized as the King of kings and Lord of lords. Some of the most remarkable prophecies of those relate to the Lord Jesus, and they are amazing. Micah prophesied that he would be born in Bethlehem. And when the wise men of that day asked, where is he? Well, they just referred to the writings of the old prophet, and sure enough, the prophet was right. He would be preceded by a forerunner, according to Isaiah 40. He would enter Jerusalem on a colt, according to Zechariah chapter 9. He would be betrayed by a friend, according to the psalmist in chapter 41. His hands and his feet would be pierced, according to the writing of the psalmist in Psalm 22. He would be wounded by his enemies, Isaiah 53. He would be betrayed for 30 pieces of silver, Zechariah chapter 11. He would be spit upon and he would be beaten, Isaiah chapter 50. The betrayal money would be thrown down and it would be taken up to buy a potter's field, Zechariah chapter 11. He would be silent before his accusers, Isaiah 53. He would be crucified with thieves, Isaiah 53, 12. People would gamble for his garment, Psalm 22, 8. His side would be pierced, Zechariah 12, 10. Not a bone in his body would be broken, Psalm 34, verse number 20. His body would not decay, Psalm 16, 10. He would be buried in a borrowed tomb, and that belonging to a rich man, Isaiah 53, 9. Darkness would cover the earth at the time of his death, Amos chapter 8 and verse number 9. In every single prophecy, though some of them given five and six hundred years before the event, all of them, all of them in harmony, all of them in detail, they were fulfilled. 
just as the Bible says. Oh, that's why, dear friend, when I was a boy and I heard that I was a sinner on my way to a devil's hell and the wages of my sin was death, Ah, but the God of heaven gave his son to die on the cross and to pay my sin debt for me. And if I would simply trust in him and put my faith in him, I could have eternal life. I said, I'll take it. I want to be born again. And as a little boy, I stepped out of the seat and I walked down the aisle. I told the preacher at the front, I want to be saved. I knelt at the first pew and I said, Lord, forgive me of my sin and be my Savior. And dear friend, my name was written down in the Lamb's book of book of life and since then not a single sin has been imputed to my account. The only thing that's been put on my account since that day is the righteousness of an almighty God. That's what my account reads this morning. I believe this book that I hold in my hand is the perfect, precious, powerful word of God. The claims of God's word are true. The Bible is infallible. That means they're incapable of failing. That means when the government says, I think this plan will work instead of the Bible, I know what's going to fail. You can't borrow your way out of debt. You can't drink your way out of debt. You can't gamble your way to prosperity. I already know that. I don't care how many minds you put together. God already told me that. The Bible said a man that is deceived by wine is not wise. I don't care what kind of education he has. I don't care what kind of degree he has. I know what thus saith the Lord. That's what the Bible says. The Bible says that it's infallible. The Bible is inerrant. That means it's free from all error. It is exempt from the liability of mistake. And when people say that the Bible contains mistakes, they're calling the very character of God into question. And the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 6 and verse number 18, we serve a God that cannot lie. The Bible is complete. When the apostle John laid down his pen at the close of the book of the Revelation, the Revelation and the scriptures, they were perfect and they were fully complete. Not a single inspired word has been added, nor will it be. God has finished his scriptures and we hold in our hands the perfect, powerful, complete promises of God. Now not only is the word of God perfect and complete, God gave it to me God gave it to you for our relationship with him. That's key to success in life. God's communication to me. I'm glad he put it in an understandable form. I'm glad when Jesus talked and taught and preached, he spoke in parables. I could understand those. I can see the picture, and a sower went forth to sow. I can see that picture. I can see the picture of the men fishing. I can see the picture of the wheat and the tares. I can see that in Jesus spoke in a way that could be understood by the common man. You be careful of that crowd that says, well, we're going to give you a Bible that's more understandable. Now be careful about that. My grandmother had a second grade education. She understood it. Now either she had a mighty fine second grade teacher or some of these professors not as smart as they think they are. 
The Bible says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. The Bible says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. And this book right here reveals God to me. God said, I want you to know me. I want you to understand me. I want you to know how much I love you so you can love me and serve me and enjoy the life that I have given you. The Bible reveals God's person. The only way that we can know God is through his word. The Bible tells us that God is holy. He's loving. He's just. He's eternal. He's glorious. He's exalted. He's gracious. He's merciful. He's infinitely good. The Bible tells me that he is not just Lord. He is the Lord of lords. He's the sovereign. He's a consuming fire. He is the righteousness of right. In the pages of the Bible, we meet God. We could never know him any other way. Not only do we know the person of God, we know the power of God from the word of God. In the scripture, we read in the very beginning, in the beginning, God created the heaven and earth. I believe that's true. And that's more sense than half the science teachers in our nation today. By the way, don't be too impressed with the scientists today. They can't tell the difference in a rooster and a hen. And and they're trying to tell us about science. This old book right there, that'll teach you a lot about science right there. The Bible said he stepped out where there was nowhere to step. He reached out where there was nowhere to reach. I'm quoting now an old black preacher of years ago, S.M. Lockridge. Oh, I love to hear him preach. And he preached about the existence and the power of God. And he said God spoke the world into existence just as the Bible says that he did. Think about this. Isaiah said, who hath measured the waters in the hollow of his hand and meted out heaven with the span and comprehended the dust of the earth in a measure, and weighted the mountain in scales and the hills in a balance. We see his power in impossible situations. The ladies sang about Lazarus in John chapter 11. They said, Jesus, if you'd have been here, we believe you could have kept him from being sick. You could have kept him from death. But Jesus didn't come just as one that was a great physician that could heal the sick. He came as the one that was the giver of life itself. I remember hearing the old preacher B.R. Lakin from Fort Gay, West Virginia, Uh, preach about Lazarus one night and he said as they gathered around uh, where uh, Lazarus was buried he cried Lazarus come forth he said if he hadn't called him by name everybody in the graveyard been been up walking around I'm thankful for the word of God I'm thankful that I'm running out of time but I got a lot more sermon it reveals the promises of God the promise of his love Many things are going to fail in life, but one of the three that will never fail, and that is charity, or that is love in action. Not only did God promise that he loved me, he promised that I could have life. He said, I am come that you might have life, and that you might have it more abundantly. The Bible also reveals God's plan. In the pages of God's inspired, infallible, and errant book, the Bible that we read has a plan, first of all, to save the sinner, 
uh, Romans 5, 8, but God commendeth his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. It also reveals God's plan to satisfy the saint. As the psalmist wrote about in Psalm 103, not only did he come to save, he came to secure the saint. John chapter 10 and verse number 28, when he saved me, put me in his hand. Oh, dear friend, and nothing, the Bible said, Jesus himself, nothing can pluck me from my Father's hand. Oh, Dr. Lakin used to preach and he would say when I got saved that Jesus put me in his hand and the Father put his hand around the hand of the Son and the Holy Spirit circled the Father. He said, the devil doesn't even know where I am. He said, if he ever found me and got to me, he'd get saved himself before he ever got me out of the Father's hand. I'm glad he's powerful enough to save me, but I'm also glad he's powerful enough to keep me as the ages roll on. Not only did he promise to save the sinner and give a plan to satisfy the saint and secure the saved, he said, I'll make every supply for every son. Uh, Philippians chapter 4 and verse number 19, but my God shall supply all your need, not needs, all your need. According to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus, you say, but preacher, I have more than one need. Oh, no, you only have one need, and that's God. When you have God, you have everything God owns because the Bible says, as a child of God, I became joint heir with Christ. You understand that? I am joint heir with Christ. That means everything that, excuse me, I'm about to get excited now. That means, don't, 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 don't get too excited there now, Brother Schwartz. Listen to me now. Everything Jesus owns, I'm joint heir. You see, my father is rich in houses and lands. He holds all the wealth of the world in his hands. Of rubies, of diamonds, of silver and gold. His coffers are full. He has riches untold. I'm a child of the king. I'm joint heir with Christ. I'm telling you, that old book right there will stir you up better than a Kentucky win on Saturday night. And I close with this. This old book gives me strength. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'll fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thank God, surely in goodness, they follow me all the days of my life. Some say, oh, it's just an old rule book. You can call it what you want. You care for your cattle up enough to put a fence around them and keep them in. You say, well, there's no liberty. It's all rules. No, liberty's inside the fence. All the liberty I can enjoy in life. I'm glad. You, you, you can't do anything in life without rules. Nothing is enjoyable without rules. God said, I want you to have life. I want you to have it abundantly. And if you'll love me and if you'll serve me, if you'll put me first in your life, if you'll worship me, I promise you joy and gladness. I'm glad for every symbol in the Bible. I'm going to close again. Closing is my favorite part of preaching. <clears throat> the Bible's a mirror, James 1. I can look into the mirror of God's Word and it reflects what I need to change. According to 1 Peter 1, it's a seed that when it's planted, it brings forth life. I dare you to read the Bible 10 chapters every day and see if it doesn't change you. Ephesians 5, it's water. 
that cleanses, quenches, and refreshes. Psalm 119 is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Hebrews chapter 4 is a sword that pierces to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit. It's a precious metal worth more than silver and gold, according to Psalm 119. It is food for my soul, Job said in Job 23. Peter said it's milk that nourishes. Hebrews said it's meat that matures. John said it's bread that satisfies. The psalmist said it's honey that's sweet to my soul. Jeremiah said it's a hammer that breaks the rock in twain. Jeremiah said it's a fire that quenches. It can judge, it can purify, it can consume. We hold in our hand this morning not a book that keeps the dolly in place on the coffee table or a place to file your deeds or marriage license. We hold the book of life. That's Jesus, that's Christ. This word became flesh. I hold in my hand the key to life. Stand with me if you will. If you're here today and you never accepted Christ as Savior, you ought to receive Christ as your personal Savior. Just put your faith in Him and His finished work on Calvary. Dear friend, you can have eternal life. Are you struggling in any area of life? I don't care what it is. The answer is right there. Any area, that book will help you. I read the book of John and it tells me about Jesus. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John is a biography of Jesus. I have to stop. John tells me about his person, about his love. The wisest man in all the world gave us most of the Proverbs. You want wisdom? You need more than a meme from Facebook. You need a few verses from the good book. Heavenly Father, I could never even introduce the greatness and the wonder of this book I hold in my hand. I'm overwhelmed by the wisdom, the answers, not just for yesterday, but for tomorrow. And I thank you, Lord, as I read these words, I am assured that you're in control of all things. Bless our invitation. I pray, Lord, if there are those that have never trusted you as Savior, they do it today. Those that have been saved and not yet baptized, they would do that today. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.